You're listening to episode 12 of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to Showcase Network supernatural series Lost Girl, now also appearing on Sci-Fi. As always, I'm Dave, and I'm here with Wayne, and been a trying weekend for you, my man. It has been extraordinarily trying, no question about it. A uh, little hot water heater decided to spring a leak. Well, I didn't decide, it just did. Um, how or why it did, I don't know, but I uh, just know... Coming home Friday night, uh, the basement's under like two inches of water. So that was a lot of fun. Supernatural forces at work. It, it could be. It could be. But I think I attribute this to a hot water heater that was uh, in, installed in 1980, 1994. Um, so probably you know about ready to go anyway, I guess. I don't know anything about these things. Yeah. So uh, have you had any time to watch anything other than uh, Lost Girl? and? Well... I've only been talking about Doctor Who for like a month and a half now, so there was nothing that was going to stand between me and watching uh, the premiere of Episode 7 for sure. Um, so, yeah, got that going on. Um, still going forward in Supernatural. Now, this is weird because, okay, so here's the deal. Like, I forgot about the writer's strike, right? Okay. So I'm watching season three, of Super- season three of Supernatural, right? And I'm on, you know, I told you, I think the other night, I was like, you know, I'm on episode 16. So I go to watch episode 16 and, you know, it's, there's like the big conflict from all of season three is suddenly like coming to a boil in episode 16. I'm like, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> They're going to, if they, if they result, cause I'm figuring, you know, 22 episodes that we still got you know, was at six more to go. Um, you know, that, that's interesting that they're going to kind of bring this event to a head already. And then as soon as it was done, then, you know, Netflix tells you, you know, the, the next episode coming up and it's like season four episode one, like, wait, well, did I miss something? I, I went back and like check it online and like net does Netflix cut. And then I realized, Oh wait, that was, that was a writer's strike. So they only had 16 episodes in, uh, in season three. So, well, that's, that's good on the one hand. Yeah, you know, it's actually a little relieved, I think, you know, it's like, but I still have like, what, four, five, six, seven, and then, you know, eight. So I still got four seasons ahead of me and then, you know, a new one coming up, but you know, it's, it's, it's very well worth it. All right. Well, for me, it's, I haven't had much of a chance. I don't, I think I saw one episode of Fringe, uh, near in the end of season two, um, but this is this is a good place to point out for uh, you know those of us uh, our fans that are into Showcase Network's show Continuum, which you know I do a podcast with our buddy Mike. Wayne's going to be on with us tomorrow night as we start our uh, hiatus episode by taking a peek at Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles, and uh, Wayne's the one that turned me on to that show, and I turned Mike on to it. So looking forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. You know? And, you know, Continuum is such a, a great show. As, you know, so it's just exciting chance to talk about more Canadian television. It's awesome. Yeah. And so, set you guys uh, straight about a couple of things as well. Well, um, <laughs> we need it. Let so. you know a couple of things you missed. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, why don't we do a little bit of news tonight? And we just got a little bit because, to be honest, I want to get talking about Lost Girl and then uh, Doctor Who. So, uh, you know, I think everybody knows that uh, – Peter Jackson's got the Hobbit trilogy, you know, pretty much squared away. I mean, not that it's all filmed and, and ready, but uh, uh, he's kind of rearranged some of the order so that we know the Hobbit and Unexpected Journey is supposed to open December 14th of this year. And then uh, December 13th, a year later, Desolation of Smog is going to follow. And now I guess he's kind of reworked, uh, you know, the, the uh, trilogy set in Middle Earth. 60 years before the Lord of the Rings. Now, are you, you a big Lord of the Rings fan? I've read them uh, a couple times, yeah, and the movies, I, I have all of them, both the original editions and then the uh, the extent directors rip off. Well, they're not rip off. They're, they're really good <laughs> themselves. They're just, you know, they're pretty long. It is a commitment. Uh, I was actually, a couple months ago, had gotten sinus surgery and had was laid up for like eight days. And uh, so the one day... Uh, my oldest son and I decided we we're going to do a Lord of the Rings marathon. He'd never seen the movies before. And by the end, I was just exhausted, man. I was just, <laughs> there's long movies and there's a lot of sword fights. Like by the third movie, I was just like, if I see another sword fight, I think I'm going to scream. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I got mixed feelings about splitting up the Hobbit into three different movies. I don't know. It's, 
it, I don't. Uh, I'm sure he'll make it work, but uh, just I got reservations about it for sure. It's a big. It's a big commitment. Yeah, you know, when they said at first, I thought wasn't it going to be two originally? I thought yeah. it was just going to be two, and I said, okay, well, all right, I can I can see that, I can see that, you know. But then three, I'm like, um, wait a minute, this is. Well, all- I guess the major change they made was that they kind of rearranged some of the titles, so that now the third film is going to be titled "The Hobbit There and Back Again," uh, which was going to be the title for the second film. And what they're what they're doing is they're they're shortening the time in between the second film and the third film. So the third film's slated to go in the summer, uh, July of 2014. So, you know, if you are a uh, Lord of the Rings fan, that will appeal to you. Now, just the only other item, uh, you know, we got a lot of new shows coming up and and a lot of good sci-fi, supernatural type shows, and uh, you know. I, I I mean you're you're more into social media than I am, but I know you're not that into it's it. It's barely into it. Yeah, yeah. Which I still is haven't just... got that Facebook page up. So yeah. okay. <laughs> well, you you at least know how to do it. But uh, well, I don't really. I just most of these things I just kind of dive in and uh, you know hope that they have good directions for me to follow. Okay. Well, well, uh, I found this piece on the uh, the internet that that basically took. Uh, Facebook pages uh, of shows and, you know, how many likes, and I'm making finger quotes, uh, they received. And the number one show, which received 97,507 likes, was Revolution, which is uh, obviously one that we're all interested in seeing. Yeah, well, I mean, they've really been pimping that show, though. I mean, it looks it looks good. I'm, you know, I, I am willing to break my 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 vow of uh, of celibacy on as far as new shows go with this one well we may even use that as our uh, our pilot you know our little yeah, that's good well you know that was actually I, I you know we could just do that like for any pilot that looks good we can just you know, sure. for a while we'll just say hey we'll just watch new pilots now number five on the top 15 is uh, 666 park avenue which we discussed a little bit yeah uh, again num- sounds good yep number nine beauty and the beast uh number 11 arrow now the rest of them are, you know, just I guess the new normal animal practice, just you know, crap. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't, and, no, and I no think, threat of, of us seeing any of those shows. I don't think. Right, and I think you know we all know that that I think sci-fi sci-fi fans are probably more involved, uh, in, you know, in uh, uh, Facebook and uh, you know podcasts and whatever. Um, and then they did the same thing with Twitter. Revolution was number two. 666 Park Avenue was number five. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to seeing these. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully, like with all science fiction shows, a lot of these shows, I mean, it happened with Flash Forward where it got that first, you know, really big push with the pilot, and then no one came back for episode two. Which, right. and now, then, so it was, it was doomed before it even started, you know. So hopefully they'll have, you know, really – uh, you know, a really killer pilot that uh, brings people back for episodes two and on. Yeah. Now, Revolution debuts September 17th at 10 p.m., uh, which is that, – that's pretty much the next show. Uh, Grimm Season 2, uh, September 14th. And that's it for the news. All right. I have nothing because, you know, Doctor Who started. So yeah. <laughs> I got and nothing you've been bailing water all weekend. Right. <laughs> All right, so why don't we jump into uh, Lost Girl, Season 1, Episode 11, getting uh, close to the season finale, and this one's entitled Fatal Justice. Yep. Written uh, by Peter Mahan, I can't remember my hand, right? Mahan, and directed by Robert Lieberman, the team that brought you Where There's a Will, There's a Fae. So, ah, okay. So well, that was a y- decent episode, but I, this, I, if you know, compare the two, I think they, uh, they stepped it up for this one much more than they did for that. Uh, for episode number two there. Yeah, I, I like this one a lot. And <laughs> awkward silence. Yeah. Did you want me to jump in there? Because I was like, no, that's okay. fine. <laughs> you know, we've been talking about the opening scenes all the time. And, uh, you know, we've had, uh, you know, a lot of sexual encounters. Uh, the last couple weeks, we've had weapon scenes. And, you know, this one I thought was a really cool scene just just in, in it in and of itself but we see uh you know uh dyson in this rock and goth club entitled carpe noctum which i guess means seize the night seize the night yeah it does yeah. In, in latin which is again we talked about i think the last week before creepy and uh 
you know, we see uh, Dyson's arguing with this big guy, and we quickly learn that Vex apparently runs this club, and that uh, this big guy he's arguing with, uh, they apparently have some sort of past. Yeah, and uh, you know, it just starts out, again, like just jumps up in Medius race. So you know, we're right there in the thick of the action. Dyson being threatening, uh, getting in this big dude's face, getting in Vex's face. I like the line that uh, you know Dyson claims that Vex would be uh, thrown up before your first thought. You know, so um, you know, really, really just doesn't give us a chance to you know, wishy-washy stuff. Just right throws us. I would say. I, I think almost every episode this season has kind of done that start to just, you know, jumping right into the middle of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, cool club for sure. Yeah, it did look cool. It gets a little weird as it, as it goes, the episode goes on, but, uh, it certainly looks cool. A lot of blue, a lot of smog and fog and stuff like that. And of course, you know, it's, you know Vex is there, so he's pretty cool. Now back back at the ranch, we've got Bo and Kenzie cooking up uh, an elaborate meal, and it it actually you know looks as if Kenzie knows what she's doing. It but, appears to be, but you know if we really logically think this out, we, we think well, we, what we know about Kenzie is she's spent a fair amount of her time kind of out on the street, so she does not seem the domestic type one bit, and this is confirmed here. Yes, but I guess what comes out of it, though, is, you know, the whole thing where she's talking to Kenzie about wanting to know Dyson better and, you know, wanting to know his deep, dark secrets and and just, uh, you know, I guess the, the kind of things that somebody that is in a relationship wants to know. Yeah, I think we definitely see that in in this episode that the their relationship really, you know, takes a pretty big step forward. We, I, I guess the, the, it's an evolutionary thing. It's not like... I mean, there's a lot of dramatic things that happen in this episode, but their relationship has, as we've talked about before, after that initial burst uh, has kind of now gone into a more normal type of, you know, as relationship evolution goes, you know, where things don't, it's not all passion that we start to get to know the person and, and that's kind of now they're starting to get to know each other and get into that type of relationship. Right. And uh, now there's no passion. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> they're just not, that, they're just not just putting it, it on the screen. Right, exactly. Exactly. So uh, anyway, so we, we, you know, we get, uh, you know, an edit in the, in the show, and now we've got this wolf shifter killing the big guy. Dyson wakes up in the alley, shirtless, covered in blood, and uh, apparently he's the one that killed the guy. And, you know, I, again, you talked uh, – it's been a while since you mentioned this, but the whole cliché thing – and they've done such a good job, and, and we pretty much know, okay, he's going to get blamed, but he didn't do it. Yeah, well, we just know Dyson. It just doesn't seem like him. Uh, I guess we should take this moment to, to address the elephant in the room, is that Chris Holden-Reed does spend an inordinate amount of time with his shirt off in this uh, episode, but I guess if I had abs that looked like his, I probably wouldn't. I, I don't think I'd ever wear a shirt, honestly. So, Well, well it's also apparent they, they, they don't issue him a belt for his pants either yeah <laughs> well the dude does work out in, in jeans so you know it's like he, he just he just rolls a different way than everybody else well all right so anyway uh the only witness to the crime is apparently this human girl named portia and uh start you know going through the uh okay let's see i know there's a shakespearean character named portia i couldn't come up with any kind of a actual uh, right the uh uh, the daughter, John Cleese's daughter in A Fish Called Wanda is named Portia okay. as well, well but I don't right. think that's the connection. None of which has anything to do. So anyway, but the connection though is, you know, she's a lot like Kenzie, you know, young girl on her own, run, run you know, basically has run away from her home and, uh, you know, they have a lot in common. Right, except, you know, Portia's kind of linked up with the dark fae, you know, whereas Kenzie is with the light fae. Right, which and could, this is where we start to to this certainly this episode more we definitely see the dark fae as straight up bad guys and the light fae as straight up good guys. You know. Right, but even in Portia's case, I mean, she really is kind of linked up with the bartender. I forget his name and uh, Silas. Silas, and, and, and you know, even though he's responsible, you know, as it turns out, for killing this guy, you know, he does it out of love for her. Yeah, he does, and uh, and that's kind of also what we see you know, that's echoed in the relationship between uh, Bo and Dyson because they both have uh, put themselves in the line a number of occasions uh, for each other, which 
you know, we can at this point say it seems like really, truly love now, you know, whereas before it might have been just lust and passion or, you know, that kind of excitement. Um, they, as I said, they seem to be really settling into this, you know, an actual real type relationship with emotions and stuff. Right. And it's funny. I mean, obviously, you know, most of our uh, dynamic is with the light fay because that's, uh, you know, Bo and her crew. Uh, and we've certainly seen that, that you know, uh, light fay. Uh, you know, get into relationships with humans. This is kind of the first time we've seen a dark fae. Right. And what we've learned as, you know, from uh, Luann's Heidegger's experience is that uh, if you're the dark fae, you should absolutely not at all get involved in a relationship with a human. And, and Silas uh, off, off screen apparently uh, learns that lesson as well. So, All right. Well, we see, uh, you know, Bo and Kenzie, get tricked to tell them what he knows about Dyson and, and, you know, again, just kind of like lighthearted, you know, uh, scene. And, and she mentions that they're involved, right. And then Dyson walks in and asks for sanctuary and pretty much everything changes at that point. Right. One thing that changes is trick just for like the second week, not the second week in a row, but in two out of three weeks, it's just gone up and cleared out the bar. Everybody out. Yep. It's like, dude, how do you, how do you make money on this place? Every time something bad happens, you kick everyone out of your bar, man. Like you need to have like a, a panic room or something where you can send people who are freaking out and everyone can stay in the bar because you're losing money left and right. You, by kicking people out every time something upsets you. All right. Now, I know you haven't watched Stargate SG-1 yet. But, not yet. Uh, not I heard yet, good but, things about but, it. Yeah, but, but one, of the, uh, one, of, one of the big bad guys in SG-1's name is Baal. Uh, and, uh, is it that's B-A-A-L? The name of the guy like... uh, it's probably like B-A apostrophe A-L or something yeah, like well, that. Well, that's how this dude's name is spelled, at least on Wikipedia. Okay. And uh, so anyway, you know, I think at this point you start reflecting back on the episode and and themes that come up, uh, certainly, you know, loyalty. And we'll talk about that. Uh, the, the major focus of the episode seems to be clearing Dyson, right? Yeah. And, you know, trying to what we I mean, we already figured as I mean, his friends also right away. No, he didn't do this. There's no way. Dyson would, and Dyson even says that you know, he says I wouldn't have done it like this. You know, right. don't get me wrong, I've killed people before. I just wouldn't have been this sloppy. You know, so that that kind of is more convincing than him just uh, trying to you know proclaim his innocence as as in this is something I would never do when you know clearly it is something he he could do. Yep. Um, and, and then the the third is the power struggle between the Ash, the Morgan, and Trick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen numbers of little kind of hints of it as the season has gone on, but it is just out there now for for everyone to see. Well, and this is kind of the first time where the ash is really, you know, you know, to paraphrase, uh, do you really know what you're doing, Trick? <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty annoyed, and uh, and you can, you know, at, at the end, I, I can't remember what he says. Uh, oh, where is it? Um, Oh, this affair has been instructive, old man. And since we are headed toward a more substantial disagreement, yeah. So, like, yeah, there's he's very annoyed, and uh, you know, understands that this power struggle, whatever trick is, is you know, coming to a head, and and the Ash really doesn't isn't going to put up with it for uh, anyone. Well, it almost seems like it might be one of these old guard versus the new guard kind of things. It could be, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, especially when he calls uh, Trick an old man, you know, like uh, everyone's an old man in in the Fay community, dude. You <laughs> yeah. know, <laughs> but uh, you know, some are older than others, I guess. So, well, why don't we take a peek at the Morgan first? And, yes, uh, let's. I'd, I'd love to take a peek at her. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I, I gotta say, okay, I, I'm definitely all for skin tight dresses. But, yes. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what the make of that dress she was wearing. It wasn't doing it for you, this one? Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, she's, a, she's, had, she's had better outfits, for yeah. sure. Um, I mean, it's not so much the outfit. It was, uh, you know, that uh, 
No, she was still looking good to me. But you know what I think is even more compelling about the Morgan besides the, the her super hotness as far as looks goes? Oh, I said it. We said I said I wouldn't say the word the H word. I wouldn't did it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I I I love her attitude. You know, this whole even when Bo is holding like that flaming hot poker to her throat, she's just acting like bored and put out. It's just really that's I, mean, I know. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I like the bad guy so much. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, I think it's, it's great, like, as far as a character goes, as being, like, you know, um, different than your usual baddie, you know? Like, instead of, you know, when you got the throw, you're like, oh, please don't kill me. You think, you know, instead she's just like, oh, really? You know, it's just, it's funny. I well, like you know, it. she she comes in and she's got her, you know, her muscle with her. And, you know, she makes a point of telling them that, you know, she's turned over the evidence and that they're playing by the rules. And, you know, here we come back to the rules again uh, and that, you know, she plans to put the uh, put the put it to a vote among the elders. And that, you know, basically it comes out that if it goes to a vote, then Dyson's as good as dead. Um, She seems to enjoy causing Dyson pain, and I'm not sure what that's all about unless it's just that, you know. Well, yeah, Dyson for sure. I think just the late Faye in general, like Trick too, she enjoys kind of, you know, messing with him. And I think just, you know, I mean, she just loves, she's obviously a woman of, of power and influence who, and I guess this is kind of like what else I like about her. Because she's, you know, in many ways similar to Bo, you know, that she is someone who is a, a powerful woman you know, even the Faye is a world full of dudes, and we've seen, except for her, like, you know, populated, and the power brokers are all guys. And uh, and so, and she's, you know, willing to use her power and her influence. In her case, it's it, it appears to be in self-interest, and, and with Bo is in the opposite, is for altruistic reasons. Um, but still, you know, I, I love the attitude that she has. Yeah, well, the other thing I like is that there's this code of honor, you know, on both sides in that, you know, once the, once the evidence becomes uh, pretty clear that Dyson did not do it, you know, she just backs off. And, and you know, I think there's many other uh, situations and other, uh, you know, shows and, you know, whatever, where bad guys was like, well, I don't care. You know, I'm taking them anyway. I don't care what the evidence shows. But, you know, she backs off. Right. And, you know, and the, but there's also that bit where i can't remember who said it but you know at the end it's basically like you know if if you don't this is going to start you know the war that both sides we know we saw it with uh with meyer a couple weeks ago light and dark the like number one on their to-do list every day is like you know number one don't start a war with the opposite fey you know right. um and they're very very uh, cognizant of these, this very delicate balance. It's almost like Europe in 1914, you know, where, yeah, we have peace, but this is a very shaky type peace. You know, this is a peace that can be destroyed by some random act, you know, like a, a terrorist shooting an archduke in Sarajevo or, you know, some, you know, bartender, you know, killing another Faye because he's in love, you know, just yeah. something unrelated and, you know, emotional can lead to a massive, you know, I, you know, uh, I think who, I can't remember who said, it, but it might've been Dyson, but like, like a nuclear war, they refer to it as. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, you know, we've got the, pretty much the whole episode is the procedural, right? Bo. Yeah. It's charge, a big procedural. Uh, this one. Yeah. Right, and she asks Trick for the again. You've got all the names. Is it the Varicon? Is that what it's called? The Syricon. The, the, the weapon. Syricon. Yeah, okay. and I jokingly said he should have scrubbed the uh, the serial number, and he should have because you know, well, what happened to it? Yeah, yeah, but it's on the restricted list, so he doesn't give it to her. And yeah. you know, well, no, the Ash took it. Right. And, so it's uh, like you know and that too. It's like you know, like you know, taking away your toy. Like, hey, you hit your brother with that, give me that. You know, like, hey, you tried to kill Vex with that, give me that. You know? Right. But you know, what does she do? She goes anyway, you know, knowing full well that Vex is more powerful than she is. And uh, you know, I, again, that's it, it's almost something that we we see out of uh, Kenzie all the time, where she jumps in to you know to help Bo or to help Dyson, even though you know she's completely outmanned. 
Yeah, and you know, honestly, every time it involves Vex, uh, you know, Bo goes, she she loses her mind. You know, she just has no rational thought whenever Vex is involved because she wants to get him so bad that uh, you know, like she, she doesn't even care. Like whatever, she doesn't. Even, I don't even think she cares really that uh, that Vex can take her. You know, she, she's going to go after and get him. But there is a bond between these two, though. You know, like we see that in, when they go into the club, there seems to be this weird type of uh, understanding almost. Between, I don't know if that's the word to use, but there's there's something there between them. Not like a, a sexual type thing, but there's just like, I don't know, there's something there. Oh, maybe they'll get together. <laughs> it could be. But so. yeah, it's like, you know, uh, Vex is like, um, you know, she said something about how many people have you killed? And, you know, he's like, well, we should compare scores sometime. You know, in other words, like, Listen, honey, before you start getting your high horse about all the things I've done, you might want to, you know, look inside for a little bit. Right. Now, uh, you know, she she's, uh, you know, her inquisitiveness at this point, you know, when she is asking Dyson about the tattoo, you know, that long vertical tattoo on his back, which turns out to be uh, wolf shifter language, right? Yeah, lichen, I believe. Right. And, uh you know, I mean, at this point, though, she's basically, this is back to the, uh, you know, hey, I'm in a relationship with you. I want to know all there is to know about you, inquisitiveness. But as we, you know, find out, that's really what enables her to solve, uh, you know, the, the procedural. Um, you know, she asks him about the incident. It's clear she doesn't think he did it, obviously. Um, you know, so it, in terms of trust and loyalty, I mean, it, you know, for all of them, it, it, there's never a, any question that he did it. Yeah. Was, and, and that's just kind of like where with all these characters kind of have gotten to a point now where, you know, they absolutely have each other's back unquestioningly all the time, you know, and as uh, Dionne Warwick and Elton John said, that's what friends are for. All right. Now she goes back to Vex's bar. I mean, geez, it seemed like. You know, every time they'd come back from, uh, you know, a scene cut, she'd be heading back again. But uh, she gets back to. Well, this uh, is a pretty cool bar. You know, well, it was. She doesn't need much, uh, much of an excuse to get out there. But uh, she succumbs to Vex's power and starts dancing seductively, which was, uh, which was okay. Yeah, I, it, uh, I love it when he does that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and uh, again, here is that connection between the two you know i mean it's not like it's an antagonistic one but there is you know a a connection there they they are similar in many respects right now the the i guess it might have been the last time they go back when she and kenzie are going back to uh, vex's bar i think at this point uh, she's pretty much pieced everything together and you notice like kenzie's like fingering these brass knuckles Oh yeah! As they're walking in, <laughs> this is going to give Girls Gone Wild a new twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a very cool little move she did, flipping out the brass knuckles and putting them on. So, you know, Kenzie can. We, you know, we said it before, she can handle herself. Yep. If you can't have the Siricon, then you next best thing. <laughs> next best thing, right? Yeah, the Siricon is kind of like a fey brass knuckles, I guess. But see, uh, yeah, now see, you, you know, uh, you know, back to Vex. I don't know uh, if there's anything else you want to say about him, but you know. Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I was kind of joking about, uh, you know, maybe the you know, he'll be getting together with Bo. But, you know, I, you know, in a kind of a weird, twisted way, is he coming on to her? That's a good question. Um, I think kind of, yes. And, and the weird and twisted are good words to go with it. And I think, you know, Bo says at one point, like, just when you, I thought you couldn't get any creepier, you know. Right that he is kind of like a creepy guy. Um, he's a sociopath. And so, you know, really not good at like relating to other people, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, his relationships, other people is I can control everyone else. I can control anyone else. So, you know, why bother with any type of getting to know people or whatever? Um, so, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's twisted, you know, like he, we find out here, he's really into torture, you know, and, uh, he allows this, uh, I don't know, it was last week was the, uh, was the club, but, uh, you know, there, oh, wait, wait, no, there is right. This week was the, the S and M club, right? Right. Now you're doing know, what I I'm did a couple weeks up, ago. Man. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, she was that last week? Was it this week? There's a girl. Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, but I mean, he's like allowing this stuff to happen and, you know, he's, he's, you know, into the, the black leather and they chain Dyson up and there's, you know, all these kind of twisted, weird kind of kinks he has in his personality. But I think it, you know, just boils down to is he just doesn't play well with others at you all. Know, like- it kind of goes back to, and you know, maybe it's just because I've seen this recently, the whole Anakin Skywalker thing. It's like, you know, what events led up to his becoming Darth Vader? So it's almost like, you know, I mean, okay, Dark Fae, and, and we've kind of, you know, we're seeing more, you know, because we the question has been, are Dark Fae necessarily evil? And while they seem to be a little, you know, on, you know, on that end compared to the Light Fae, uh, you know, what's made Vex so evil? Yeah, well, and I think, you know, people who, like, have a lot of power, like Vex does, you can go one of two ways with that, you know? You can be Spider-Man, on the one hand, and you go out and help people, or you can be Bo, who uses that great power with great responsibility, right? Well, she's uh, learning. yeah. And, but she, you know, she at least has her heart's in the right place. You know, like she wants to help others. She wants to protect those who are, I don't want to say the innocent, but those who are vulnerable. Now, or you can go the other way with Vex, where you exploit that power and you join the Republican Party and (laughs) you, uh, you know, and you take advantage that you have all this power and everything and you use it to your own personal advantage not caring whether you hurt other people or not. So it's kind of like, as we said, there's a lot of similarities between Bo and Vex, but as they seem as like foils to one another, you know, that the, their similarities just also call to mind their opposing um, elements of their characters. And, and Bo looks a lot more heroic when she's put up next to Vex. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how much we see of him in the in the coming episodes. Uh, oh, you know, at the, the end of season one and into season two. I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. I mean, the guy is like an electric character. Yep. Like the when the minute he he's like like Captain Jack in in Doctor Who. You know, the minute he enters a scene, it just it's like the whole episode gets better just all of a sudden. You know. Um, so I just think he's just a very compelling, very interesting character. Uh, and you know, like Bo needs good bad guys to fight against. You know, if, 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 the, if it's just monster of the week, boring, same old fate of the week, whatever baddies, you know, you need this recurring type evil presence. And, uh, the Morgan and Vex both are, uh, fantastic, uh, you know, antagonists to Bo. Yeah. Now, you know, a couple of the other characters, Hale and uh, Lauren, you know, we see them briefly. And, and Hale, you know, okay, uh, t- tells Bo, you know, let Dyson know I've got his back and do whatever I can. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. But he kind of gives us a little bit of background that we didn't know before that uh, I think his, his quote was, boy was a stone warrior for 200 years. He's only been a cop for 50. Right. So Yeah, which you know, I think it, we had had hints of that already before, if not outright. I can't remember. It seems like earlier there was some. We know that he's been around for a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah, right, right. But that uh, you know, and, and as you kind of alluded to, that uh, their their lifespan is uh, quite different from humans. Yeah. Right. Well, we, um, you know, in Fade, we had the nine hundred year old guy. Right. 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 So, but uh, uh, and then his other his other memorable line here is when he tells Bo, you know, that you know. When you first came on the scene, I thought you were going to be bad for our boy, but, uh, you know, I was wrong. You're the real thing. Yeah, cause the real thing. He also says, you know, kind of a telling quote. They they gave, uh, you know, Hale is like, I I know we talked about Clerks. Have you ever seen Clerks? I have not. Oh, oh, yes, I have, yeah. Well, you know, Kevin Smith, who wrote and directed all all these movies, um, you know, had this recurring character, Silent Bob, and Silent Bob was, as the name implies, silent. And but at the end of the movie, we always have like one line, one poignant kind of line that he gave. So uh, so Hale, in this case, seems to have all the silent Bob lines, you know, and uh, this one, he says, like, a man like him will give up too much for someone he cares for. Sometimes everything, you know, that, uh, you know, these, these poignant lines about he sees that, you know, he sees obviously he's happy that 
Dyson and, and Bo are, you know, have reached this point in their relationship, but he also sees there's an inherent danger there because, you know, it's the Fey world. Bo especially is, as we see, is just kind of a danger magnet, you know? Yep. Um, and so he's worried that, because he knows, well, you know, he's a dog, right? What are dogs above everything else? But well, like loyal, loyal right? Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of loyal, it got a little chilly when uh, Lauren and Bo crossed paths there. And uh, yeah, it, just, but both still still not forgiving poor Lauren. Yeah, but I guess they they both realize they're on the same side on this one, and uh, I guess agree to disagree. Now I think that's the only scene we even saw her in, right? Yeah, she was just in the one scene. I yeah. think so. Yeah, uh, she brings up the autopsy report, and it's just like, oh, hello, like I said, like, you know, hello Newman, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. So but yeah, so uh, at least a little bit more civil to each other. Now, kind of an interesting scene, you know, with with Dyson, and obviously, you know, the, the episode centers around him, but uh, you know, he he's mostly standing around, you know, at at the bar. But the scene when the uh, the Kieran uh, goes into his mind to recover his hidden memories, uh, he was kind of an interesting character. I, I think I'd be a little uh, worried if this guy was going into my mind. Yeah, well, he doesn't look too good. You know, he shows up, he's, he looks a little rough, and so not necessarily the ideal person. You would want the person who's probing your mind to look a little bit more professional. Yes, but uh, but I guess he, he maybe looked unprofessional, but he was certainly effective. So, um, he was, now, but, kind of, though, because he didn't really learn anything. Well, for, because he, I think he realized that his uh, those memories had been wiped, right? Or, right, so. yeah. There's right, a dollhouse well, you know, for you, huh? Uh, why don't we hit Trick for a second? And, and you know, I think the, the great thing about him is, uh, again, again, we're still trying to figure out where he fits into the, the power elite here, but he certainly stands up to the Morgan and the Ash. And, you know, he's pretty certain that Dyson's being railroaded and refuses to give him up, defies the Ash's order, and, uh, you know, it Ash kind of implies that whatever power Trick holds, you know, uh, could be tenuous at best. Yeah, he calls it a strange power. So it's, you know, it's funny because even the Ash seems to not quite understand what it is about Trick. So we shouldn't feel bad when we don't because the characters in the, in the show actually don't as well. Well, and I guess it, 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 there's certainly some indication of who holds the, you know, the real power in that when Trick's you know, trying to call in favors or at least call in support, he doesn't seem to be getting the answers he wants. Yeah, which leads me to, the, you know, the Blood King to me is an impressive title. So if someone called and he was called the Blood King and he wants you to do something, which is just simply backing up your life, Fay boy, maybe it would be a good person to do a favor for. I'm just saying, you know. Well, okay, I agree. But then again, you know, in terms of, you know, I think it's pretty clear uh, of Trick and the Ash, which one's more likely to resort to violence to get what they want? Well, you, you get fair point there. But I mean, the, the Ash doesn't seem particularly violent right now. He just seems too cool to be violent. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, this was not one of his stronger outfits, but it was still cool. Yeah, yeah. He still got the voice, though, man. It just... All right. Now, we talked about loyalty, and it kind of, you know, at the end, Portia kind of sums things up. You know, she, she says it, you know, must really be nice with you and Bo watching out for each other. And, you know, the, the, that was the whole thing with Silas that, you know, she felt he was watching out for, which we learned she, he really was watching out for. Um, and, and that, you know, she clearly cares for him, uh, you know, which is the, I think that point is when Kenzie notices the slash marks on Porsche's back that we know from comes from the uh, little S&M stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, Kind of like there's always like this kind of third person that's well not always but often they they bring in a third person. Uh, there was like you know the Skull Girl back then. There was um, oh what was her name the other the other succubus. Oh um, last week, man, my brain just doesn't work. Saskia, Saskia, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and and then now Portia. So it's they, often they bring in these. A, like a third girl or whatever. Um, and it's always kind of reflects on the relationship between Kenzie and Bo. 
And uh, we see here that, you know, again, Portia being so similar to Kenzie, that her, the, the fact that she's so impressed with her, Kenzie's relationship with Bo kind of shows us that, you know, well, this is why Kenzie sticks around, you know, that, um, that she's lucky she hasn't had someone uh, that she could really rely on, that she could hang with. She hasn't had a friend. She hasn't had, she might have had an older sister, we all know, but, you know, she hasn't had an older sister in the true spirit of what an older sister should be like. She hasn't really, doesn't seem like she's really had friends. Um, and so, you know, she's finally kind of has that relationship and Portia's kind of jealous about it, um, which is then reminds us of, you know, remember when Saskia came into their apartment, she's just like, oh, this place is a dump. You know, she was very critical of the relationship between Bo and Kenzie, whereas, you know, on the opposite portion is, is impressed. So, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I, I guess we see uh, Bo and trick put their lives and reputations on the line for Dyson. And then uh, trick and the ash acknowledge this isn't the last of their disagreements. So we're kind of set up for some, uh, you know, some interesting fireworks in the last two episodes of season one. Yeah, well, it's been, I think we've been saying each week, and I know uh, when I saw it the other day, we were kind of joking about, like, oh, how do you like the episode? Oh, I loved it. It was great. You know, it's like, but can we say that? You know, we always, every time we see a new one, it's like, it's, you know, it's really good. It's really good. We loved it. It was awesome. And But I, I really think that uh, we, we're definitely seeing, like, the pace and the intensity of the storytelling kind of really pick up here as if we are moving towards something pretty big, which, I mean, we get, we do. I mean, ever since... The first episode, we know that there's been something unique and special about Bo. So, you know, it's just a matter of time for there to be some kind of big confrontation. We know her mother's still out there somewhere and that, you know, that uh, Trick alluded to her heading their way uh, possibly sometime soon. So I mean, we just know there's a lot of stuff around Bo that's kind of swirling that might now you know, come crashing in. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all I've got. You got anything else you want to? I think that's it. Except for yeah. I just, I like the, I just got to throw this out there. There was this one line where, uh, you know, Portia or uh, Kenzie see Portia's bracelet. And she says, yeah, I kind of pick up things along the way as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, she does indeed. So now, uh, the one thing I was going to say, Holly DeVoe, I guess that's how you pronounce her last name, who played Portia is uh, set to portray Casey Anthony on a lifetime biopic. Really? That also stars Elizabeth Mitchell. You know who she is? Uh, Juliet from Lost. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And That's good to see she's getting work. For, and another Canadian connection, Rob Lowe. Now, nice. you should know this movie, Youngblood. Oh, yeah, Youngblood. He, uh, he, he played a hockey player. Yeah. And he had to awesome. learn the fight. Rob Lowe learned the fight. It, it was not the most believable movie but you know like you, there's not a lot of good hockey movies out there so when well at least they didn't make him a goon right so. which now you said the word was i was going to pimp this movie the minute you said young blood uh, have you seen goon you ever seen this movie i have not it's uh with uh, sean william scott it is hilarious it's so funny it's great it's and he he plays a guy just a regular guy off this he's actually a bouncer at the bar who uh uh this a minor league hockey team uh, picks, gets him because he's just an awesome fighter. So to get him in and be a, a tough guy for the team. It's really, really funny. Check it out. It's on Netflix. All right. Um, now, we, I think we forgot last week. So uh, we'll do this in between here. The uh, homage to Ronald D. Moore. Oh, uh, yeah. We forgot I, Ronald's homage. Yeah, I'm going with the Molson Canadian light that you brought over. Nice. So... I am going with nothing. I forgot. Oh. I was too busy getting <laughs> everything set up and, and trying to figure out if the uh, if the recording gear got uh, destroyed in the flood. Uh, so uh, so I forgot to. to well, this to is pop really good. In. So yeah, I, oh, most Canadians the best. All right, now as much as we like, like as much as we love Lost Girl, uh, you know the the opportunity to talk about the series seven premiere of Doctor Who, uh, you know. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've been, I keep looking at my Doctor Who notes the whole time we're talking about Lost Girl tonight. So, so <laughs> Just, I'll let you kind of lead it off. Okay. Um, well, you know, obviously last year's premiere was a major, major game changer. You know, like they, they kill off the Doctor 
at the end of the uh, that episode, or not the end, like right at the beginning. Like the, it right. was like the very first scene of the whole season is they kill the doctor, and you know everyone around the world is like, "What the hell?" You know, like Moffat, how are you going to get out of this one, buddy? Right, you that's know? the astronaut coming out of the water. Right, right. right the, okay. the astronaut comes out of the water, uh, kills the doctor, uh, and kills him dead for sure. You know. Uh, no, no question about it. no regeneration, no nothing. Just you know, totally and really, really dead. Um, and then, of, of course, obviously, uh, as as happens, we've seen a lot. Uh, I'm not quite dead. <laughs> right. he, he shows up in the in the diner a couple there. So, so I mean, I think probably Stephen Moffat could have gone two directions. Then he could have said, "All right, I got to come up with a gimmick that's even more shocking than what we did last year." Or he could say, I'm just going to come up with a really good show. You know, uh, just w- one show with the doctor being the doctor, Amy Rory, everything. And, and I think he, he went with, obviously, with the second one. There wasn't anything to any other. There, there was a, a very shocking reveal at the end, though, not for me, but for other people, uh, like Dave. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but but it, 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 there was no big shocking event like you know like the doctor getting killed and then the, you know the season before was Matt well Smith's I mean Rory first one, signing so. their divorce papers well yeah I, I, that was obviously very shocking but yeah like you kind of figure that well there's they're gonna work it out you know like uh-huh. like, like they can't be divorced like that's there's just that's that's not gonna that's not gonna stand so. Well, well, the major question I, I mean, to me, the most fundamental question that this whole episode raises for me is, who's hotter, Oswin or Amy? D- Let's not answer that yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll leave that out there because Amy did have that the unfair advantage in the the modeling shoot uh, scene in, in this oh, one, man. so that uh, you know that I think if if we were going to just base it on, on this episode alone it would have to go to amy just on the merits of that uh of that scene which was pretty cool because you know you start thinking like okay clearly she's you know it's a photo shoot so uh you know is she being you know my first reaction was that it was some sort of a maybe a magazine article being written about her and her connection to the doctor or or you know something fantastic she's she's a model We, we we saw that from last season uh with the the one with um where, where he goes back to the guy, what's the guy with the baby? Um, oh, geez, how come I can't remember these people's names? But, uh, you know, he, it's, it's like the, it was one of the last episodes, I think the second to last episode from last season, um, he goes back to, and, and the one where he had before, where they had the, uh, from the previous season, where they had the, the, the spaceship above their flat, and he was a flatmate. The Lodger was two seasons ago, it was called. Right. Um, and I can't remember the guy's name, the name of the character, but, uh, but there, you know, he, uh, the doctor gets a job in the mall and I guess he's going around the mall and we see these big pictures of Amy up and around that she's, uh, the model for a big perfume line. And I think a little girl actually stops her and asks for her autograph or something like that. So oh, we, yeah. we realize that, uh, since the doctor's been away, Amy's, uh, gained some level of celebrity as, as a model. I, and I did like Rory's new hairdo too. Yeah, good hairdo, and yeah. I'm glad to see he wasn't sporting the uh, the little beard that he was rocking at uh, the uh, the Baftas. Was that the Baftas where they or yeah, the, no, the British so. Film Institute the, when they premiered the uh, oh, this right, episode? Right, right. Uh, they had some pictures of him. He had some 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 crazy little peach fuzz growing on his chin. So, but uh, so what'd you think of the Daleks in this one? I mean, uh, on the one hand, yeah, the same. Well, yeah, well, y- y- yes and no. I mean, they're still obviously a psychotically murderous group and everything. Um, and but now they've they've stepped up their game, right? Because now uh, you know a human it could it could appear like a human and be an actual Dalek, right? Um, as you see, with people, you know, the, the guns start coming out of their heads and everything, which is pretty pretty freaky. Um, but you know, then their appeal to to save us, you know, right. like in unison, the whole parliament, save us, save right. us, you know, right? Which uh, pretty much, I mean, I don't want to say this is the only thing we've ever heard, but have we heard them say anything other than exterminate? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, no, well, that's 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 their their main line is pretty and, much. And, and what's the deal? They're afraid to go into the asylum. 
Yeah, I guess there's places even uh, even Daleks are afraid to go to. And, and this is funny because actually this summer, um, Gareth Roberts, who I don't know if he still writes for the show. He did in the Russell T. Davies era. Uh, he wrote actually the Shakespeare Code is, is one of Gareth Roberts. But Gareth Robert, uh, Roberts uh, wrote a novel based on a script that Douglas Adams had started back in the day. And it was called Shada. Or Shada, I don't even know how to pronounce it. S H A D A, but uh, you know it, it involves basically that there's this place where the Time Lords, a planet where the Time Lords lock up their absolute worst criminals ever. And so when I saw that the Daleks had this, I'm like, oh, they're that's, doing the same thing. Yeah, that's, that was Douglas Adams's idea, you know, and everything. So it's just kind of cool. I don't. I mean, I imagine. I, I, I suppose it's intentional, you know, here, you know, I mean, it's just the Daleks locking up their worst criminals that were in the timelines did the same thing. Right. And uh, I guess maybe the, the whole fear of going in there, I mean, maybe the fear of what would be done to them, but maybe it's the fear that once you go in, you don't come out. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, and you know, fools rush in where Daleks fear the tread, right? <laughs> I like it. Um, well, obviously, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, idea of love is part of this episode right and and you know we we see at the very beginning uh, you know that that Rory and and Amy are getting divorced and like you said i mean if you've been a long time watcher of the show uh, or even a relatively short time watcher of the show who crammed like 100 episodes into a short you know right that you figured something you know and that's in fact what happens the doctor brings them together yeah and um you know Rory gets a chance to die again <laughs> right. as he is always uh, sacrificing himself and he is uh, he, he's really racking up the the deaths and this is actually he doesn't really die in this one but uh, um, certainly he's Kenny right he is he, he is Kenny um, it's, it's funny because Supernatural does the same thing with uh, with Dean uh, Dean is, is always there's actually even one episode that's kind of like a Groundhog Day type episode and, and Dean gets killed hundreds and hundreds of ways in a single episode because every day he dies and everything um, so you know with, with Rory you know we, we knew he's always sacrificing himself for, for Amy time and time and time again and um, you know, there's, there's really that that scene between those two, I mean, oh. you know, you can't help but be touched by that. I mean, this is like, I mean, kick-ass writing, incredible acting, just really like something that could go down as in in less ex, less expert hands would be very saccharine and um, and and uh, cliche. With them is is really a quite a, a beautiful scene um, where you know he's like you know. I, I know that the reality, I love you more than you love me, which is kind of like a very harsh thing to say when you really think about it, you know? Well, I guess you don't even really have to think about it. That's straight up harsh, you know? Well, but but I think on the other hand, though, it, it's almost like, you know, that, you know, I know you're out of my league, and yet, you know, we're together. Yeah, true. I mean, that's like, you know, probably most, husbands whose wives are like models and stuff probably to some degree unless you're, you're like tom brady that's <laughs> right <laughs> but even then i bet you even tom every now and then says damn i'm really i'm really out of this, this that chick is really out of my league <laughs> well but like you said i mean uh now were you alone when you were watching this yeah okay i mean you know i mean i i could feel the tear welling up i mean that was a really poignant scene like you said and and uh uh, you know, her reaction was just perfect. I mean, you know, this was, you know, who, you know, I, I guess Stephen Moffat wrote this episode, right? Yes, he did. And I mean, just great writing because, you know, just the, then her, her response that, you know, it's, it's, you know, you know, kind of how dare you, you know, and then she explains what split them up. Right. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to think whether I missed that, and I almost rewound it, but it was obviously I'm not stopping at this point. <laughs> like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop to rewind it here. I'll go back and watch it later. But I'm, you mean about wondering... what split them up? Well, no, no, no. I understand that he wants to have kids, right. and I, I, I wasn't sure whether it was an issue of I, I can't have kids, as in I biologically, physically can't have kids, or I can't have kids as after what they did to me, I, I don't want to i i we're not i'm not going to go through that 
again. Um, it could be either way. I don't know if, if she was clear as to which way, what, what she exactly meant by that. Okay. I guess I assumed she meant that, you know, after what they did to me, I can't have them. Yeah. I, that's, I, that's kind of what I thought, but you know, but yeah, you're right. It could, it could be interpreted either way. Yeah. But that was, uh, yeah, just, wow. You know, very, it's, it's even Moffat is a, a freaking genius, man. Like, yeah, I just, I, I'm going to just say it, you know, that guy, he, his, the episodes he wrote before this, like Blink is probably my absolute favorite number one Doctor Who episode of all time. And, and that's a Stephen Moffat one. And then he wrote the, the Silence in the Library episodes and those were both outstanding. And this guy just, you know, everything. And, you know, um, I don't know if you, have you ever seen Coupling? Uh, not that I know of. You mean the series? The series, yeah. No. It was, you know, uh, the British show Coupling that went across the pond became Friends, but that was Stephen Moffat as well. And then, of course, you know, Sherlock. So, I mean, this guy just is just, he just writes his rear end off, man. And just like, it's, he, uh, you know, he's just got the touch of gold, you know. Now, um, do we want to talk about the, uh, pro- pro- possibly the biggest reveal? Uh, biggest spoiler i mean it's not really i mean if you saw the episode and you and you i think most people like us sci-fi supernatural fans you know we watch the episode then we go online because we're curious about what other fans are saying about it i mean would you say that's a fair statement yeah see i don't know if we should go there with this one because i didn't like well i mean uh but, but i don't know they've announced it so people know yeah go ahead well, I mean, okay, so uh, the, because they've announced who the the new the new companions going to be, they announced it months ago, so it's right. not like it's a big secret. So right, you know, so this, takes this people girl, to put two and two together. Right, the girl in the red dress that's you know trapped in the uh, spaceship underground that turns out to be you know it's she's actually a human that's been converted into a Dalek, and uh, well, well, this is Oswin, who's played by Jenna Louise Campbell, uh, uh, Jenna Louise Coleman, who is the next companion. So whereas Stephen Moffat all along has been saying, no, you're not going to meet the, you know, you're not going to meet the companion until the Christmas episode. Um, and I guess technically, you know, Oh, he could go back in time though. Well, that true. But what I'm saying is we saw her in this episode, but she wasn't the companion. Right. 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 Just semantics. But right. Uh, well, then you, when you first said that, I'm like, oh, is he going to have a Dalek as a companion? That could be weird. But but now he's going to go back in time and meet her. Right. And and she's going to be an actual person. But he's going to know that this terrible, tragic end that she comes to. Um, yeah, that, that's that'll be interesting. So, yeah. To see, so so uh, I mean, what'd you think of her? I mean, I'd seen pictures of, on the internet, but you know, never really seen her. You know, actually acting. Yeah. Oh, she was great, man. She was like, cause, you know, and I, as I'm watching her, I was thinking, I, I was like, I think I remember that you had sent me, you know, like, you know, you'd sent me the, the article that announced her as the new companion. Like, I'm pretty sure this is a girl. So obviously I'm looking at her with a much more critical eye than I would normally. Cause now it's, it's almost like, uh, you're meeting your, uh, your daughter's boyfriend or something. You're like, Hmm, okay, let me see if you're all right. If, if you're going to, are, are you, if you're going to match up, if you're if you're acceptable for this role, you know, and uh, and I just think like, man, she is dead on, man. She is great, you know. She's got very good comic timing, and uh, you know, like she's her already um, establishing a, a relationship with the doctor and everything. I thought she did a really good job. I think oh, ban- be- her banter was awesome, and granted, that's the writers, but still, she pulled it off. And, uh, and just her, her, you know, her body language, you know, the, the way she was, you know, sitting in that chair and she'd, you know, go, you know, cross her legs like Indian style and she's pecking away at the keyboard and just like, just, she was perfect. Right. Cause she's got that kind of like that, that playful kind of, uh, you know, personality. And, and she's even, you know, it was like, you know, take me away, you know, like take me out to see the stars, which, you know, in, in case you haven't noticed whenever, um, the doctor, offers to take someone away with them or if someone asks if they can go with them uh-huh. uh nine times out of ten they die in that episode and and uh except for you know the people who are already companions were good so if you're in like episode one and you're you're probably good but uh like astrid peth uh who was uh played by kylie minogue um 
the the girl from the the um the hotel episode last season um the uh the doctor's daughter oh, uh, right. back with David Tennant so you know almost every time that the doctor says hey why don't you come with me uh bam like you know it's like the death sentence right uh in in doctor who so now, the, the other so, interesting so, thing i guess is that uh you know so so you know this oswin she's supposed to be you know extremely intelligent i mean she hacks the uh, the Daleks computer systems and all that. And you think back to previous companions and, and I mean, you know, certainly Amy, you know, uh, you know, a, a lot like Kenzie, you know, more, more common sense, more street smart, you know, but certainly smart. Right. Uh, and they're always uh, very resourceful, whether, you know, right. now I guess Martha Brown, was she a, was she a doctor? Uh, was she in Martha Jones? School? I mean, yes. Martha. Why do I always say Martha? Who the heck is Martha Brown? I don't know. Uh, Martha. Was she a doctor? She was a student okay. at first, and then she is a, a regular doctor. Doctor. Uh, the next season, when um, when they come back for the uh, the Asmus um, uh, episode, where the uh, the, the uh, Sontarans are trying to gas out the Earth. Uh, they come back, and, and Martha Jones has become a real doctor. Okay. And then, uh, you know, certainly Rose, again, another girl of the streets. Well, that makes it sound like she's a hooker, but, <laughs> you, know, so, uh, you know, street smart. She, like she just dressed like one. Yeah. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, Catherine Tate, who we see briefly. You know, so it'll be interesting because I guess, the you know, the, the, the potential here is that, you know, this, uh, you know, Oswin is, is, you know, intellectually perhaps close to the equal of the doctor. Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, is that because she had like, you know, the Dalek boost there, you know, of, of intelligence, you know, was she that bright, uh, before she became a Dalek, we guess would be the question. Yeah. So and maybe the doctor will be disappointed. We'll get back in time and meet her and like, Oh, really? Like you, you were so much smarter before. What happened? You know. Well, so uh, now, I, typically, Wayne, we look at pilot episodes. Uh, so this was a season premiere. So, uh, are you planning to watch the next episode? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I pretty much uh, got um, the next uh, what, like six Saturdays, uh, you know, yeah. penned out. Like yeah. from, so I th I think from nine to ten, don't bother me, don't call me, don't do anything. I'm watching Doctor Who. All right. So I think our fans know we're uh, fairly fairly big fanboys of the Doctor. Yeah, so. definitely. All right. Well, anything else you want to throw in about that? Or no? Yeah. Okay. Again, uh, I got. Uh, you know, not not shocking like lessons, but certainly sets up a lot of things. That relationship between Amy and Rory, and uh, you know this Oswin and you know the Doctor. You know, there, there's still a lot of unresolved issues from last season. You know, like with him dying and marrying River Song, and there's all kinds of stuff that's that's still out there. So it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a trippy season. I'm looking forward to it. All right, all right. Well. Uh, you know, we're winding down in Lost Girl. We've got uh, two episodes to go for the end of season one. And uh, do we know what we're going to do for our uh, our extra episode? Um, no, but I had an idea, but I'm not sure if I could. Well, I, I'm, it's, it might be uh, uh, difficult to find this one. But here's what I was thinking. Tell okay. me what you think. Okay. So Ben Edlund, who is a uh, executive producer for Supernatural and also wrote uh for um for uh, uh firefly as well um and worked uh, a lot with joss whedon um created back in the 90s probably even maybe in the late 80s this came out a uh, a comic book which later became a tv show called the tick and it was a uh, really very very funny like a guy who's not especially heroic doesn't have necessarily great powers not it's kind of like almost like a, a different type of like the greatest American hero, if you remember that show. So I was like, hey, that'd be cool. It's like a kind of a Ben, ben Edlund type of uh, thing to watch the uh, the pilot episode of The Tick, if All you can right, find well, it. Now, have you looked to see if it's on Netflix? I haven't looked. Okay, I should well, probably we'll check see, it out you know, before between maybe that and... Uh uh, you know, Amazon. So, uh, all right, well, we'll, we'll go with that. And then if, uh, when we record next week, if we have to say we weren't able to find it yet, our, 
our audience was, then, you know, audience, uh, shoot us an email and tell us we're slackers. <laughs> right, exactly. So now w- one last thing I guess I wanted to say, and I, you know, I, we were talking about this earlier in the week that, uh, look, look, don't get us wrong. You know, we're, 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 you know, we were thrilled to be able to, you know, get the, uh, DVD set of season one for lost girl. Um, but uh, you know, hopefully in season two, in the in the box set when that comes out, there'll be some some extras, you know. And it's not necessarily you know, oh, I want more value for my money. Yeah, uh, I, I was uh, I was happy to you know whatever. But you know, they're cool. I want some extras. Yeah, like just uh, some of like the like commentary, you know, like from Michelle Lovretta or you know some interviews with the actors and just some stuff you want to see, kind of like. When you when you admire like a show or I guess any work of art, you kind of want to say, hey, hey you know, like Picasso, hey, how'd you that Guernica painting? What were you? How'd you, how'd you go about that? How'd you start? Where'd you come up with the idea? You know, you're just kind of interested in some of the ancillary stuff that goes with it as well. Yeah. So showcase people for episode, yeah, for it. season two extras. <laughs> All right. So anyway. Uh, you know, drop us a line at fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out the website at fatalists.podbean.com and you can download us on you. God, download us not on YouTube, on iTunes. And uh, until next time, it's been fun as always, Wayne. Yeah, good night, Irene. All right.